Would you take your Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Peter? We'll get there in just a minute. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're doing a series looking to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Um, Through times of unrest, we're zeroing in, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So we've taken different snapshots of Jesus Christ. This is going to continue for another month or two, just taking biblical truths about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, putting them on the table and talking about them. That's what we're doing. Highlighting who Jesus is. Well, the key idea today as we continue from last week is this. As our faith is tested, we must fix our eyes on the Lamb of God. Last week, we studied this main point, and this really is the primary weight of the entire Scriptures when it comes to the Lamb of God. As we think on the Lamb of God and fix our eyes on the Lamb of God, we remember that Jesus is our perfect substitute for the payment of sin. We went right to John chapter 1, verse 29, where John the Baptist makes this announcement. What an amazing announcement. And here's the announcement. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This isn't just come to John the Baptist as some like little quirk that he just went throw out there on a whim, just kind of say this about Jesus. No, this is something that's very thought through. And what we did last week was we sort of did a summary biblical theology of the Scriptures about what does it mean when he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, this week we're going to go into this thought. As the Lamb of God, Jesus is our primary example through suffering. So this is what's so amazing about the Word of God. Not only is it sufficient, and we try to say this almost every week, not only is is it sufficient to bring us into relationship with God, it is sufficient to carry us on in our relationship with God. And it is no different with this concept of the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John the Baptist says. But it goes so much deeper than that. Yes, He takes away the sins of the world, but then as believers, as those who claim the name of Jesus Christ, guess what? This Lamb of God analogy, it's important for every moment of every day. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to talk about something ugly. It's called suffering. Oh, what comes to mind when you hear of suffering? I mean, honestly, this is something that a lot of Christians like to shy away from because, quite frankly, it doesn't fit in many people's model of sanctification and in, in their model of how God should look, this whole thing of suffering. How do we process suffering? Well, what are we talking about when we're talking about suffering? Let's just throw that out on the table. When we talk about suffering, we're talking about physical suffering. What do I mean? Well, those aches and pains that you woke up with this morning, that won't go away. That sickness, that disease that won't seem to go away. When we're talking about physical pain, we're talking about those knees that don't function like they used to. We're talking about those back issues. That won't go away. 
Those hips, those lungs. We're talking about those hands. Those feet. That heart that you're a little concerned about because it's been racing recently. That physical suffering. We're talking about that brain. (laughs) Doesn't seem to work as quick as it used to. Can't remember where I put my keys so I can go to church this morning. And then as soon as you find your keys, where did I put my Bible? You understand what I'm talking about. When we talk about suffering in a massive way, as you go through the New Testament and the Scriptures, you find about suffering in a physical sense. But that's not the only sense of suffering. We're also talking about emotional suffering. Mental suffering. Psychological type suffering. What, what are we talking about when we're talking about this mental suffering, this This emotional suffering. Well, we're talking about that discouragement that won't leave you alone. No matter how many hours you read your Bible and pray, that discouragement comes back. No no matter how many friends you gather together for some good laughs, you get together and you laugh, guess what? You get in your car and you go home and all of a sudden, whammo! That discouragement hits you. When we're talking about suffering, we're talking about so much more than just this physical suffering. We're talking about a deep-seated emotional suffering. That fear that grips you at the worst time. Those tears that won't let you sleep at night. That knot in your stomach that grips you every single morning. That emotional pain that, just to be quite honest with you, so many of us try to mask so well. So when we talk about suffering, we're talking about physical suffering, emotional suffering. But actually, as you go through the Scriptures, even in this text that we're going to look at today in 1 Peter, there's another sense of suffering. And I guess for lack of a better term, it would be considered spiritual suffering. Like, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. You're all out battle with sin every single day of your life. We had a good talk about that in our men's study this Tuesday, last Tuesday. Your non-stop fight against the lust of the flesh, no matter how many hours you read your Bible and how many long hours you pray, oh God, please guide me and guard me from these lusts. In a world that loves to feed your sexual passions at the expense of even dehumanizing other human beings made in God's image, there is a non-stop fight against the lust of the flesh. We're talking about this spiritual suffering, and what is that? It's your struggle with materialism, covetousness. I need, I need, I need. We're talking about spiritual suffering. We're talking about that daily conflict with anger and pride. I mean, we're on a different planet if we don't say we don't daily struggle with pride and anger and the welling up within our flesh to react. So when we talk about suffering, we're talking about physical suffering, emotional suffering, spiritual suffering, but then we're also talking about this relational aspect of suffering. Relational suffering is a real deal that you cannot ignore. What do I mean? 
that husband or wife who has abandoned you for another. That dad and mom who have disowned you for your faith in Jesus Christ. That son or daughter who has abandoned the faith for the temporary destructive pleasures of a self-consumed, self-crazed world around them. That classmate, that teacher, or that teammate, that coworker who mocks your biblical worldview. When we're talking about relational suffering, we're talking about that rejection, that gossip, that backstabbing. Okay, so to enter into this discussion today, the first thing we need to do is, is acknowledge that suffering is real. Have you ever stopped to think about how believers talk about suffering? How do believers, we're talking about Christians, how do they process suffering? Well, have you ever been around those type of, of Christians, and maybe this is the temptation of your heart, it certainly is of my heart. I want to tell you, when I talk about suffering, you know, uh, sometimes my best response, and it's not a God, Christ-centered response, is to bury it, smile it, and, smile and pretend it didn't happen. You ever seen that? We're going to pretend that that suffering's not going on. The motto of this type of mentality is, is simply suck it up, buttercup. Get going. Well, the fact of the matter is you can't keep ignoring it and keep ignoring it. And the fact of the matter is suffering is in your life for a very important reason. A God-ordained purpose. Have you ever been around uh, believers or maybe been tempted in your own life when suffering happens? Here's another response to become absolutely crippled by suffering. What am I talking about? You can't leave your room. You can't leave the couch or the house or your car. You even drive places and you, won't, you can't find yourself having the strength to get out of your car because that, that suffering so crippled you. You ever been there? We talk about suffering and how Christians struggle with it and handle suffering. Some do this. They deny that God would ever, ever, ever use suffering in His plan. How could a good God use bad suffering? He certainly wouldn't ordain that. How do you process that? Because clearly in the Scriptures you cannot hold and you cannot ferret out or you cannot embrace any one of those mentalities to bury it. You can't just bury it and just ignore it wasn't there. You can't allow yourself to be crippled. Neither can you look at God and say, God, you didn't have any part of this because if you did, you're not a good God. All of those responses are not what the Scripture encourages of a follower of Jesus Christ. So then what do we do? As you go through passages that we look at today, we're encouraged. As as tough as it might be, here's the encouragement. To embrace suffering as a means of God's good grace. This is anti-every feeling in our body. To embrace suffering. To look at it like, I don't know, one of my favorite songs, Laura Story sang this. A blessing in disguise. Okay, so today, as we think about this suffering, I want us to do this. 
dial into how Jesus handles suffering. We're going to go back to one of the passages we looked at last week. We closed out with this, and uh, this discussion really is just a summary discussion. We could, we could do a whole series till the end of the year on this concept of suffering. Um, but I want us to go to a passage that we started with last week, and I want to, I want to just kind of highlight a couple of these in the Old Testament, talking about a prophecy about what Jesus would go through, the Lamb of God, okay? The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How did the Lamb of God handle suffering? Well, that's the question of the day. Okay, the Lamb of God is sufficient enough to take our sins away, but here's the point of 1 Peter. The Lamb of God is also sufficient to walk with you through your suffering. Just look with me if you would. I think all of these we were able to get on the back, even though they're like two font. (laughs) We were able to get on the back here if you put your uh, bifocals on or your whatever. You might be able to read some of this. But I want to highlight some of these. Isaiah 53 When I read through this text, would you in your mind just think of suffering in the life of the Lamb of God prophesied by Isaiah? Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Can you jump down with me to verse 7? Because I mean, we're not going to analyze the whole thing. Just kind of highlight what Jesus was going, prophesied what he would go through. Verse 7, he was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Okay, so this is in the Old Testament of our Bibles, obviously. We walked through that last week. So right away in Isaiah, we're, we're in, interacting with the Savior that's struggling with suffering. And He did this in such a beautiful fashion. All right? None of us in this room are Jesus Christ. However, brothers and sisters, because we have come to Him by faith, we are now in Christ. And He is in us. Through his indwelling spirit. So this is appropriate for us. And there is a book in the New Testament that keys off on this idea of the suffering lamb. Some of you already know where we're headed because you're already there. And you're like, it's been 20 minutes now. Can we finally get the first Peter? All right, well, let's look at first Peter. Because in this book of first Peter, Peter connects the dots between the lamb of God. Not just the lamb that takes away the sins of the world, but the lamb who is our example of how to suffer well. Um, I'm not even going to go, I mean, you can write this down if you want. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Remember, we talked of this last week, the precious blood of Christ like a lamb without blemish or spot. So Peter has made this connection already with what's happened in the Old Testament. Let's go now to First Peter chapter 2. He doesn't hold back mixed words at all. He says it right out. Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this, For to this you have been called. I'm reading in verse 21 of chapter 2. For to this you have been called. Time out. We need to stop right there. This isn't just something that happens. Please understand that you cannot excuse suffering 
as just something that happens in your life as a believer. You have to acknowledge that it is being guided through the good graces of a sovereign God. He says this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. Here it is, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. Okay, in our minds now, sorry, I keep interrupting the flow of the text. But in our minds now, if you're reading this for the first time, you're like, oh, cool. Now I can go out and heal everybody. Now I can go out and see all these miracles happen because I'm following Jesus in his steps. What are the steps now that we are to follow in Jesus? Would you look with me at verse 22? He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth when he was reviled. He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Clearly what Peter has done is just connected this beautiful text in Isaiah 53, the most messianic text in the Old Testament. He's connected it to the writings of the New Testament in practical, progressive, sanctification manner. How do we handle suffering? One other passage I'll just highlight before we get too deeply into it. 1 Peter 4. You can look at me at 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Very applicational here. Very personal. How does Peter talk of this? He says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. (laughs) I love how he puts it. At the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. (laughs) But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering. I mean, you can almost just pack up our Bibles and leave right now with that. That we share Christ's suffering. All right, so what is this? This book you have in your bio, uh, your, on your lap right now, 1 Peter. Well, Peter is reminding, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's reminding suffering first century believers who are spread out through various regions by persecution. He's reminding them of the significance of Christ's suffering and how it impacts every area of our lives. Every area of our lives. Because Christ suffered, we too, because I say it this way, because Christ suffered well, we too can suffer well. (coughs) A basic theme of 1 Peter would be something like this. In Christ, we must find grace and hope through suffering. Suffering is mentioned all the way through 1 Peter. So is grace, so is hope. So we say something like this. In Christ, we find grace and hope through suffering. By the way, this does not mean that we now go out and look for suffering in some odd ascetic type lifestyle. All right? I'm going to harm myself now so I can be more like Christ, which is, was a reality back through centuries of history. This is not the mentality here. We're not going out and looking for this suffering. But here's the thought. Here's the idea in First Peter that we're going to kind of ferret out this morning. Through the Lamb's suffering, we find grace and hope through our suffering. 
That suffering you're going through right now, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, relational, that suffering that you're working through diligently every day and agonizing over it, guess what? We find grace and hope in our suffering because we look at the Lamb and His suffering. Okay, so the very practical question then, if you, I like to think practically of the Scriptures. Okay, how? Okay, Peter, great, thanks. How? How am I going to do this? You're telling me to follow in the steps of Christ as He suffers. Do I now need to go find a cross and carry it? <laughs> do you understand the process in our minds? How is this going to look? Okay, well, let's just go to this thought. We should follow the Lamb's example through suffering. And here we have several very clear ways we can follow in Christ's steps. I think the first one we can look at here, tying us back to, to Isaiah 53, is this. We can follow in, Christ, in, in the Lamb's example of suffering by refusing temptations to act, react sinfully. What is our response when suffering happens? I remember a couple years ago going fishing with uh, um, some of my family down in the Gulf, my brother-in-laws. And we were over there, and we watched this guy on the, the, uh, the dock, clearly not a seasoned fisherman, like, and I'm not a seasoned deep-sea fisherman. Other guys like Sean are. <laughs> but there's this puffer fish that he got a hold of, and it was off the way out. And he's like stomping on it with his boots. Just trying to get that thing to go back down. I don't know what he was doing. I think that's what it was because it sure didn't look natural. And in my mind, I think, you know, why do I bring that ridiculous thing up? Well, here's why. Because sometimes when we handle, when, when suffering comes into our lives, what do we do? We explode. That's a natural way we think sometimes. When, when suffering comes into our lives, it's like our defense goes up and Whammo! Look out, world. Suffering is in my life, and you're going to feel it, too. I want us to just think about that in terms of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in His steps. And what is the next verse say? He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. What is this? Well, tying this discussion back to Isaiah 53, very clearly, Jesus suffered without reacting in sin. Obviously, Jesus, the sinless one, reacted without sinning. Jesus refused to do or even say anything that would compromise God's plan. That's a very important statement right there. Jesus refused to do or even say anything that would compromise God's plan. So very practically, this is the call for you and I. To follow in Christ's steps. To follow His example. Here it is. Through suffering, even like the unjust treatment of an employer, as is in this context... We are to refuse the temptation to lose it. The temptation to come unglued. That temptation that is so strong in our lives sometimes. My mind travels right to Galatians 5. You know these passages. Galatians 5, the works of the flesh. What are, what are they? 
fits of anger, dissension. What is the comparison to walking in the Spirit? We're talking about fits of anger and dissension to patience. We're talking about in the fruits of the Spirit, self-control. So, just a quick clarification though. When you go to something like this, and this is preached in any way, maybe the temptation of our minds is to think, okay, if something happens, I'm just to zip it, not say anything. I'm going to tell you, there are times in your life, especially, please understand this, young ones in this room, and other ones who have gone through some unmentionable acts of abuse. There are times to speak out. Please understand that from this text. God has put authorities in your life that you need to go talk to through abuse. That is not the persuasion of what we're talking about here in 1 Peter. That God, God through Peter is not saying if something bad is happening to you, just don't ever say anything to anybody that could help you. That, that's not what this is talking about. This is saying that Jesus has set for us a clear example of spirit-driven patience and self-control through pain and suffering. And that pain and suffering is oftentimes something that we can't do anything about. All right, let's go to another one. We should follow the Lord's example, not only by refusing temptations to react sinfully. This is a good one. By entrusting our souls to God Almighty. you thought about this? What's the temptation when we're going through suffering? I'll tell you my temptation is Mr. Fix-It Man, right? I'm going to fix this. I'm going to get this all right again. What happens when you can't do that? I mean, I, I love how this is said by, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. Uh, again, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. How do we handle suffering like Jesus handled suffering? We entrust our souls to our Creator. The word entrust means to give over for care and preservation. You know what comes to mind? Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. You know what comes to mind? Okay, a couple of chapters later, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, casting all your anxieties on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. In this text, I want to go to one other passage. Back a couple verses chapter 2, verse 19, because there's a little phrase. Brothers and sisters, little phrases make a lot of difference. This is a really good one. Let's think about this. 1 Peter 2, 19 says this, For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Oh, that's so good. When we're going through suffering, we're mindful of God. In other words, it's this, consciously aware that God is doing something big. God is doing something that I don't completely understand. When we're going through suffering, it's constantly being mindful of God. Now, in 1 Peter 2, we find that Jesus entrusted himself to God Almighty. What about 1 Peter 4? Different word in the Greek, but same meaning, very similar meaning. 4.19, therefore to or therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls 
to a faithful creator while doing good. There it is. When we're going through suffering, it is an intentional entrusting of our souls to the God who created us. This word entrust, um, to, again, to give over for safekeeping. And I love this concept because what is the description of God? Very well, Peter, through the Spirit, could have just said, entrust your souls to God. But how does he say it in chapter 419? Entrust your souls to a faithful creator. Why is that important? Well, why in the world would the God who created you in such a precise way want to destroy you? Think of it that way. You're entrusting your soul to a God who's not only the creator God, he's the sustainer God. Why in the world would he want to destroy his chosen new creations through suffering? Where God Almighty is not looking down on the world and saying, ha ha, I'm going to get you. Take some of that. And take a little of that. No, this God is the, the great creator of the universe who now has, spe- he has placed his special grace on believers. The ones he has called from before the foundation of the world. Why in the world would he put suffering on a life of a believer in order to destroy that person? No, when we entrust God in suffering, it is entrusting him, realizing he's the one that created us. He's the one that takes care of us. We must go a little quicker through this now. We should follow the Lamb's example through suffering. And I think there's another evidence of how we handle suffering. Obviously, Jesus Christ, the sinless one, did not sin. We could highlight that if we wanted to. But nonetheless, here we are here in chapter 2, verse 24. How should we follow the Lamb's example through suffering? By living in righteousness. Chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Simple thought is this. Through the resurrection, Jesus actively pursued good through suffering. This seems to be actually the, the applicational point of the entire first chapter of 1 Peter. And we're kind of doing an overview of 1 Peter. But in 1 Peter 1, would you just listen with me for a minute about this? 1 Peter 1, 3, 13 through 16. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. I love that. So in suffering, what are we to do? Sit on the couch and boo-hoo? Now what does Paul say? Right at the beginning of this letter. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy." In suffering, we're not called to lay down our spiritual arms, to give in or give up, to watch passively until all all of it gets sorted out. No, we are called to actively battle the flesh and to live in righteousness. Through our suffering, we don't have a, a white flag that we can throw out there and be like, okay, done. Let me know when it's all done. I'm done. You let me know when it's all done. 
No, we are called by God's grace to live out one right choice after another right choice after another right choice through the suffering. I believe that's pretty much the entire point of the first 11 verses of 1 Peter 4. You have a little bit of homework this week. Read through 1 Peter 4. I'll touch on it a little bit here. Talking about living in righteousness through suffering. Here it is. Since therefore Christ, I'll read in verse 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves. Take a look at that. Since Christ suffered in the flesh, sit on the couch and wait for it all to pass. Is that what he says? Oh, since Christ suffered in the flesh, get ready to battle. And then as you go through the battle, how is the battle described? Very clearly, don't live according to your former passions and your lusts. What are you to battle? You're to battle the temptations to give up. You're to battle the temptations to be involved in things that don't bring up self-control. I mean, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, I'm reading verse 7, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Verse 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. What is this? When we're going through suffering, we don't tap out. We take one day at a time. One decision at a time to live godly. One last point to be made here, I think, that we can bring up today. Like I said, this is just an overview of suffering in the life of a believer. I think we find another key uh, point here, though, through this book. We should follow the Lamb's example through suffering, clinging to joyful hope for future glory. Okay, let me just say it this way. Clinging to hope. (laughs) Clinging to hope with all you've got. In other words, through suffering, don't lose sight of the precious prize that is to come. There's some of you going through suffering right now. And maybe very possibly even this morning, you're thinking, I don't know if I can make it another day. I really honestly don't know if I can handle this suffering another day. I'm going to tell you, you're not alone. Just think in a very general way of the stats in our country right now for, for suicide. People going through suffering have no hope. And what's Peter saying? Well, you do have hope in Jesus, so cling to it with all you've got. I think in 1 Peter 1, 13, we we're confronted with this right away. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. A couple of verses later, he says, this is your living hope. We talked about that on Easter, Resurrection Day. Uh, I just want to jump over to 1 Peter 4 to close this out. Beloved, I'm looking at verse 12, talking about this future hope that we have as we're going through present suffering. 1 Peter 4.12, would you look with me at that? Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as something strange were to happen to you, were happening to you. But, what's the next word? Rejoice. 
What? I, I can express joy through suffering? But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't just endure suffering. We walk through it, as James says, with joy. I want to close out the passages we're looking at today with one last one in 1 Peter 5, because this is like the fireworks of this 1 Peter. 1 Peter's talking about suffering. The grand finale, I believe, comes. He's walking through this. He starts big, and here we come now to the end. He's talking about this suffering. And he's just like, now, all these pops here in the end of chapter 5. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11. And he's talking about present working into the future. Here it is. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the whole world. Brothers and sisters, real quick, what kind of an encouragement is is this of knowing that what we're going through right now, we're not the only ones? The suffering you're handling right now when you get out of bed in the morning, you're not the only one in existence right now that's struggling through this. There's brothers and sisters in Jesus that are trusting God all over the globe going through something very similar to what you're going through right now. Verse 10. I love this. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I read that passage and I can't stop but just sit back and just be like, wow! There's a purpose to this suffering that I'm going through right now. There's a purpose to that relational suffering, that mental suffering, that spiritual suffering. That physical suffering. Because the Lamb of God suffered well, I can suffer well all the way to the end. All right, let's, let's jump right into this as we close out. So what? You are very good listeners today. We jumped into a lot of different passages. Kind of a massive overview of what's happening in 1 Peter, which is on several of our minds because Lonnie has been leading us through a Bible study in 1 Peter for about the last year and a half, which has been awesome. I love it. 1 Peter and suffering. But nonetheless, I still want to ask this question that we asked last week. Last week we focused very evangelistically on the gospel and how Jesus Christ can take away the sins of the world. He uh, has come. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I want to just ask this question again today because I know there's very possibly some in here that have been struggling with this throughout this week. Have you trusted in the Lamb of God to take your sins away? 
The fact is this. You cannot do any of what we talked about today until there's a relationship established with God Almighty through Jesus Christ. On your own strength, you cannot refuse to react the way that Peter's talking about here. You cannot commit and trust your soul daily to your Creator because you're not part of the new creation. My call is this today. Would you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? For those of us who have, another very important question is this. Are you trusting in the Lamb of God as you endure suffering right now? Trusting Him. The challenge is this today. Don't waste your suffering. Don't waste the suffering you're going through. That physical suffering, that spiritual suffering, that emotional suffering, that relational suffering, your suffering will not be wasted if through the Spirit you refuse to react uh, sinfully. You entrust your soul to your Creator. You live every day in righteousness. And you cling to the joyful hope until the day you breathe your last breath. By following the example of the Lamb of God, our suffering will not be wasted. Brothers and sisters in Christ, young and old, friends, as our faith is tested, we must fix our eyes on the Lamb of God who is our primary example of how to suffer well. God, we thank You for this passage today. How appropriate it is. How it meets us right where we're at. God, you know the the thoughts that have been going through my mind the last six months. And I'm not, I know I'm not the only one. The nonsense in the world around us right now political nonsense, physical nonsense relational nonsense, all of this stuff happening, the stuff that's happening not just in the world around us, in our very lives, the suffering of so many here, different ones praying with them throughout this week even. God, I pray that you'd give us grace through suffering to fix our eyes on the Lamb of God who suffered well. Brothers, sisters, and friends, I'm not going to belabor this today. We're going to close out this prayer in just a minute, and then we're going to sing a song called Living Hope, that we have hope. I want to give you a moment, though, to pray. Approach God's throne of grace right now. to ask Him that you would suffer well because Jesus suffered well. The beauty of this whole thing is Jesus not only gives us an example, He gives us empowerment through the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand in no way do I want to be disingenuous to what you're going through and suffering right now. Every single one of us is going through real life suffering. 
you pray this week that through this suffering you would refuse to react sinfully? Would you pray that through your suffering right now, this week, that you would entrust your soul to your Creator? Would you right now pray that through your suffering you would continue to live in righteousness and holiness? actively serve as Jesus served? And lastly, would you pray that through your suffering you would not lose sight of the joyful end, the hope that we have. Again, there may be some here today that a lot of this made sense, but not all of it. I would encourage you today that if you have questions, don't hesitate in the service there'll be uh, when we finish up with this song there'll be a couple people that make their way to the front there are chaplains here they, they love praying with people they'd love to pray with you about what, what you have going on in your life I will be kind of lingering around the front as well if you'd like to pray I would encourage you with this though if you have been struggling with knowing whether you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ would you settle that this very day believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. God, we thank you for the time we could spend in your word today. Thank you for how appropriate it is. And I pray, Father, that we would live this out this week for whatever suffering you have in front of us this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.